I want to start really with a little bit of a reality check. Um, I was thinking earlier this week the fact that I'm 52 years of age, and I know it's rough. <laughs> 52, and the and the and the folks that are like 72, they're like, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Get over it. You're only 52 or whatever, right? But I was thinking about the fact that I'm 52 years of age, and to be honest, I'm just going to have a little bit of a truth truth moment here with you. To be honest, in 52 years, I've never heard a message. I've never been challenged or encouraged from any church about caring for widows or caring for orphans. Hello? This pulpit is speaking to me today. I've never been encouraged, I've never been challenged to, to care for widows or to care for vulnerable children around the world. And last year, am I on or are you just hearing me holler? You're hearing me holler. Good news. I will take this off and I will stand by this desk. <laughs> Which will be hard because I like to move. And so I've got is just in case I just flipped it on in case I want to move this morning I've never heard a message or challenged to care for widows or orphans and uh, much to her shame much to her shame the church as a whole has not always done a great job has not always done a great job when it comes to talking about adoption foster care or orphan care in general and yet the statistics the statistics are staggering. This year, with over 150 million orphans in the world, the need is great. Certainly, I think that most people would acknowledge that, and, and really not only just acknowledge, I think most people would agree that it's a good thing when God's people get together and they determine, hey, listen, we're going to do something. We're going to care for the widow. We're going to care for the vulnerable children of the world. But rarely do we spend time talking about how we should or how we could go about doing that. And so I wanted to have a little bit of a reality check. I was thinking about the fact that uh, Krista and I are so blessed. We have two boys and, and Lauren. Uh, for many of you who don't know Lauren, Lauren was not legally adopted into our family, but we took Lauren in. And uh, when we met Lauren, Lauren was uh, 18 years of age and... She did not have a good home life, and she was struggling, uh, not really understanding what the will of the Lord was for her, uh, and, and yet God brought her into our life, and, and certainly brought her first into my wife's life, and then it, it just seemed like step after step after step, Lauren became a household uh, fixture, and uh, the Lord led us to really basically adopt Lauren without the legal papers of adoption. And uh, I'm so glad he did. I always told Lauren she was the daughter that I always wanted. But God had yet to give me. And I didn't have to change diapers. <laughs> but I was thinking this week that had Krista and I 
passed away earlier when the children were much younger, that one of the things that we would have wanted to be assured of and to be comforted with would have been the fact to know that there was some family, there was some husband, there was some wife that would have come together and that they would have wanted to love our children as much as we did. I think every parent would want the same thing. Statistically speaking, I don't want this to be a downer because we have some great news at Battlefield Baptist Church. We have at least five, and there's probably more, five adoptive families. One of which, out of those fives, have been heavily involved in offering foster care for over the past 25 to 30 years. We have many, many families and individuals who give financially to support ministries who care for vulnerable children, who reach out in planting churches, feeding centers, orphanages, and offer other educational opportunities for orphans. We have church members who have served locally in, in outreach ministries such as the CareNet Pregnancy Resource Center. By the, way, by the way, this church has been a beneficiary of the CareNet Pregnancy Resource Center. We've had other members reach out and serve in, uh, in uh, the carried to full term ministry in Haymarket. We have one of our church members right now who has offered his services to come alongside of Street Hearts Haiti. If you know Street Hearts Haiti, you know that that's a ministry that we have begun partnering with over the past two years that is involved in reaching and teaching and ministering to the homeless boys and now reaching out to young girls in Haiti. And so there's some good news of what God is doing. He's doing some amazing things through Battlefield Baptist Church. But folks, I'm here to tell you, I believe that we've only begun to touch the hem of the garment. I believe that God wants us to do more. I think about what Russell Moore, Dr. Russell Moore, the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's a long title. But I think about what he said. He said this. He said, Orphan Sunday isn't an emphasis or a program, a cause, or a special interest group. It's not a special offering or a volunteer recruitment tool. No, Orphan Sunday just could be the Pearl Harbor of spiritual warfare in your church. He went on to say this. He said, every Christian is called... To care for the fatherless, as James 1, 27 teaches us. In different ways to be sure. However, he said, no believer is exempt from this mark of being a Christ follower. And so with that being said, I want to speak to you this morning on the topic of adoption. In fact, the title of my message comes from something that David Sitton said in the video we just watched. When he said these words, he said, being adopted is a cool thing. And so today I want to talk to you on the subject of being adopted is a cool thing. Likewise, uh, if you look with me in Galatians chapter 4, as someone who was adopted when my mother passed away. My mother passed away when I was 10 years of age, and, and uh, for a while there, I was a son of a single parent, and then my dad remarried, and one of the really cool things was uh, our, our stepmother at that time, she set us down, and she explained to us that if something were to happen to dad, we would really be in trouble. And so she wanted to let us know that she loved us and that she cared so much for us and that she wanted to adopt us and and wanted to know how I felt about that. I said, I feel pretty good about that. 
Listen, because it was then and it still is now. It gave me a great sense of belonging. It gave me a great sense of comfort and love and knowing that I was and that I still am a part of a special family. And I think you'll see the similarities in our text in Galatians chapter. Excuse me, in Galatians chapter 4. So look with me in Galatians chapter 4 as we get ready to begin our message. But before we really get into our text specifically, I think it's important for you and I to understand how God was speaking to the Apostle Paul here in this text. And um, really in order to communicate the idea of adoption for us, spiritually speaking, uh, a lot of people will say, well, hold on, we look back in the Old Testament and we see Moses and uh, Genabath and, and Esther and, and adoption all over the Old Testament. And so we see this was something that Paul was probably referring to. I would suggest that Paul was not referring to these Old Testament illusions of adoption. But that Paul was actually referring to the Roman law of his day. He was speaking to the church at Galatia, primarily a group of Gentile believers... And what's important for us to understand is that according to Roman law, there were three facts that I think are important for us to know before we actually study this passage. In Roman law, the fathers had absolute right over their estate. They had the authority over everything they owned, and their children, are you ready for this? Their children were actually referred to as personal property. And so if the father wanted to, he could put his child to death and nobody could say anything to him. That was according to Roman law. Also under Roman law, not only did the father have absolute right over his estate, but the rights of an adopted son are pretty significant. You see, if a son was adopted into a new family, he was guaranteed the legal rights to all of his father's property. Roman law made it clear that an adopted child had exactly the same rights as all other children, whether they were biologically born or not. The right to a full inheritance was gained and guaranteed. And then lastly, the, the, the last thing that I really want us to understand about Roman law is that not only did the father have absolute rights and the son had rights as well as being adopted, but also adoption meant that the old life was gone forever. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't look back with, with, uh, with, really, as sinners, we look back with a little bit of grief and a little bit of shame of who we were before our spiritual adoption. But according to Roman law, the old life was gone. And so here's the really cool thing. I was telling Travis this morning. If, if uh, I adopted Travis... And yet Travis's family, whether it would be his father or his mother or an extended family member, owed a great debt to somebody and they had passed away off the scene. That debt was then carried forward to Travis so that Travis would actually owe the debt. However, under Roman law, this is really cool, folks. If I adopt Travis, the debt was wiped clean forever. It was taken away. Now you're saying, well, what if I was the guy they owed money to? That's not fair. Oh, well, some things just aren't fair. But some things are so beautiful. And this is what I believe Paul is alluding to. He's giving us this picture of what would have been commonplace during his time under Roman law. And, and as we look at what he's saying and suggesting, I believe that we can begin to see the beauty of adoption and how that adoption truly is a cool thing. And so if you're a note taker, 
I'm going to suggest three things to you about adoption. I think being adopted is cool, number one, because we have a father that cares for us. We have a father that cares for us. If you're here this morning and you're one of our five adoptive families, I guarantee you that the father cares for the children. Listen, father cares for us. Look at verse number five in our text. In fact, let me ramp up to it and read verse number four and following. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Notice the first words here in verse number five, to redeem them that were under the law. You see, we have a father that cares for us because, and because our father cares, we are redeemed. We are redeemed. I was talking a little bit about it last week when I was talking to you about the blood of Jesus. But this word redeem, the word redeem actually means this, to obtain or to set free. It indicates this idea of paying a price. Notice what the Bible says. It says, and when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to pay the price. To pay the price for my sin, to pay the price for your sin, to take our debt and to wipe it clean, to take it and do away with it. To redeem a servant or a slave, a price had to be paid and God paid the price. How amazing is that? When we think about the fact that God paid the price to redeem each and every one of us. Everybody, really, when I said the word redeem, that we've been redeemed, we probably should have said in our heart, amen, right? If you're here this morning, you've been redeemed, that's good news. You all are still looking at me like, I don't like this topic of adoption. You ought to love the topic of adoption because everyone in this room who's called out upon the name of the Lord have been adopted. You've been adopted into the family of God. Without Jesus, you don't get in. Does anybody realize that? There's no other way unto the Father but by through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. This idea that the Father cares for us and the fact that he cares for us, the fact that we're redeemed should be good news. You should smile. It's not, listen, I'm not going to beat you down to go adopt a child, but I want to remind you today that you have been adopted. Oh, we're just seeing the spiritual significance of this adoption. Listen, he did this to redeem us. John 3.16 reminds us that the Father sent and gave his only Son. And Scripture continues to reveal that Jesus Christ came and died. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came and died. He did so to redeem us. He did so to procure our adoption into God's family. The evidence is clear and unmistakable. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, just one chapter over, probably on the same, if you look to the left in your Bible, you'll see it. The Bible says in verse number 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Notice how he did that. He did that by being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. In Titus chapter 2, in verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Our adoption, our redemption, cost God the Father his own son. And he willingly sent him 
to pay that price for you and for me. Writing to the saints at Rome, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, but God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then, notice what he says, being made what? He says, being then made what? Free. You have been redeemed. You have been set free. Paul says, praise the Lord, you have been set free from sin and you have become the servants of righteousness. Listen, yes, as believers, we have a father who cares enough for us, who cared enough about me, who cared enough about you to send his only begotten son to die on the cross for my sins and for your sins and for the sins of the world. Thank you, whoever said amen. Jesus' mission was quite clear. He came to set us free. Oh, we have a Father that cares for us because He redeemed us. We also have a Father that cares for us because we are adopted. Look at verse 5 again. The last part of verse 5, it says, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That word adoption there actually means that God, through Jesus Christ, placed you and I as a son. He placed us as a son. We become sons of God. Paul's picture of spiritual adoption, we see that a man or a woman become a Christian. As soon as they do that, they enter into the family of God. There's nothing that you and I do to deserve it. I don't deserve to be a part of the family of God. But as we sang earlier, we have a good, good father. Right? We have a good, good father who cared enough for us that he sent his son Listen, he, he's so full of amazing grace and mercy. He takes us from our lost, our helpless, our poverty-stricken and sinful estate, and he adopts us into the family. And once he adopts us into the family, the cool thing is that he not only puts us into the family, he takes a big magic eraser. Big magic eraser. And he takes away all the debt that I owe. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know what? Through Jesus Christ, you know what he does? He takes the magic eraser and he says, paid in full. Paid in full. You don't know anything. Your debt has been wiped clean through adoption. It's a pretty cool thing to be adopted. Romans 8, verse number 15. Paul says, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. He says, listen, when you receive Christ, you're not going from bondage to bondage. Remember last week I was talking about that the blood of Jesus sets us free. It doesn't bind us up. A lot of people say, well, I trust Christ, but I don't want to be locked up in bondage. No, you're locked up in bondage when you allow yourself to be locked up in your sinfulness. It's Jesus who sets us free. It's a pretty cool thing when we think about it. He says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Well, it's a cool thing to realize that we as believers have been given the full rights and privileges associated with our adoption. No matter how badly I have sinned. Anybody here ever commit a sin? About half of you, okay, the rest, everybody's perfect. Congratulations for the perfect people who are here in an imperfect church. I've never had a perfect person walk in. I'm so glad you're here today. All right, let me ask you again. Anybody ever commit a sin? Okay, we got a better response that time. Still, I see some perfect people over there by Brian. Yes, no, you are not perfect, okay. <laughs> We're not perfect. 
It's a pretty cool thing. Listen, no matter how much you've sinned, no matter how far that sin has taken you and kept you, it's cost you more than you want to pay and all that good stuff, no matter what you've done, with Christ there are no second-class children. When we get adopted into the family of God, I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Whoa, what did you just say? Blasphemy. You're, you, you think that you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ? That's what the Bible says. It says that I'm going to be a joint heir with the Son of God. How cool is that? Oh, that's because God cares for us. He's redeemed us. He's not only redeemed us, he's adopted us. Listen, our adoption was literally born out of God's love for us even while we were his enemies. That's crazy. God looks at us just like David sit and said in the video. He said he looked at the children and immediately they were his. Marilyn says immediately those kids are ours. Our other adopted families have said the same thing. As soon as you see the kids, God gives you a love for those children. It's unmistakable. It's supernatural. It's a thing of God. It's not a thing of man. And so the beautiful thing to remember about our adoption is that it's all born out of God's love. In fact, Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 reminds us that Christ died for the ungodly. In verse number 8, the Bible tells us that God actually proved. It says, God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth means that he actually proved it. Love is a verb. It requires taking action. And so what are the actions we are taking to care for widows and orphans? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4 and following, the Bible says, But God who is rich in mercy. I'm so thankful he's rich in mercy. Remember what mercy is, right? Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. I'm thankful that God's rich in mercy that he withholds what we actually do deserve. It says, but God who is rich in mercy for his what? Great love wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10, John says here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What he's saying is that he sent Jesus Christ to be the atonement, the expiator. Remember I was saying last week that in the Old Testament that, that atonement meant that it was a covering, but it was a temporary covering. We were talking about the blood of bulls and goats, right? And lambs and, and stuff. And so it was a temporary covering, but I told you that when Jesus came, he was that perfect, sinless sacrifice, and he offered one sacrifice forever. And then the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He had completed the process of redeeming us. He had completed the process of our adoption. When I think about being adopted, I'm reminded of that song. And if you're over 40, you probably remember it. It was a song entitled, The Family of God. You remember I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed in his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family.
family. Every one of you join the choir, okay? Get up here. Oh, we're redeemed. Oh, we're adopted. And because we have a father who cares, not only have we been redeemed, not only are we adopted, but here's the really cool thing. And ladies, I want you to hold on. We are sons. And the ladies are like, hmm, when's this guy going to talk about daughters? Well, in the context of this passage, you want me to say sons. You don't want me to say daughters. It's a beautiful thing. Listen, uh, ladies, don't tune me out. The good news is that all of us, every one of us, God's word actually indicates that you and me, whether you be female or male, right, that we're all going to enjoy and inherit wonderful things from God. Listen, the, the same way, the reason it's allusion to sons is because Paul, remember, is referencing Roman law. He's referencing the Roman law of his day. But to put everybody's mind and heart at ease, look at Galatians chapter 3. Because in Galatians chapter 3, in verse number 26, the Bible says this. It says that we are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And what I want to do, if I can, I want to read to you verse 27 and 28. The Bible says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither, what does it say, male or female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, don't be... Don't be uh, uh, sad this morning, ladies, because this includes you too. It's a beautiful thing because it's speaking of your spiritual adoption. Oh, you're going to receive everything that's coming to you. I don't have time to delve into it as much as I'd like to. But the proof in the pudding is that we all become sons by virtue of God's grace and we all become part of his family because of Jesus. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, but as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In 1 John 3, the very first part of 1 John 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I was telling our Bible study class, I was reading a little bit of a, of a commentary that I was using this past week, and reminding us that our standing is not based on our performance. I have not been rescued. I, have not, I am not secure in the family of God based on my performance because sooner or later I will fail. That's good news. That's good news, right? My security is based on God's promise, not my performance. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, remember, in the book of Ephesians, he's writing to who? Anybody? He's writing to saints. He's writing to believers. In Ephesians chapter 2, first three chapters are doctrine. Chapter 4, 5, and 6 are practical application for believers. So notice what he says in chapter 2, in verse number 12. He says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world, but now in Christ, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The cool picture here is that you and I, through Jesus Christ, are now near and dear to the Father. 
See, the Father has adopted us. He's redeemed us. He's adopted us. We are become sons. God's desire is that you and I become partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That's what Ephesians 3, 6 says. Secondly, we have a father that not only cares for us, we have a father that has concerned himself with us. You say, well, how did he concern himself with us? He didn't leave us in our current estate. He redeemed us, he adopted us, and we became his sons. But also, what did Jesus tell his disciples? I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And so because our father is concerned, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Look at our text in verse number 6. It says, and because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I'm so thankful that my heavenly father doesn't leave me without a feeling of being accepted. As soon as I trust Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse number 5, the Bible says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Notice what it says? which is given unto us. I think about Paul. He reminded the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He reminds them that their bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And he says that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. But then in that same verse, he says, not only is it in you, but it was actually given to you by God. Folks, God has given us the Holy Spirit to teach us to empower us, to guide us, which includes convicting us. The Holy Spirit assures us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And we could go on and on and on of the methods and ways in which the Holy Spirit works in our life. Our Father concerns Himself with us by giving us the Holy Spirit to live within us. And then He also concerns Himself by assuring us that you and I are no longer servants. The really cool fact, look back at verse number 1, and I wasn't even going to go there. But in verse 1 it says, Now I say this, that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. As a child, even though I may have been uh, an heir to my father's inheritance, I was treated as a servant. But when Jesus Christ came in, he says, I no longer call you servants. Right? He's come in to change us. We're no longer servants. On earth, we see the process of adoption, giving a child a new name, a new home, a new address, a new story, and a new destiny. And the same is true spiritually speaking. With God's adoption, we are sons. And as sons, we have a new name. Oh, yes, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. You say, well, how boastful. Every one of you that's called upon the name of the Lord could sing the same song. Oh, a new name written down in glory. We have a new, new father. Yeah, think about the names again for a second. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are branches. We are Christians. We are disciples. We are the elect. We are fellow heirs, and we could go on and on. I was reading a commentary yesterday where a guy literally took the alphabet and went down through the names that we have as Christ followers. Oh, we have a new name. We have a new father. We have a new family. Isn't that what the Bible talks about? It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Oh, we have a new family. The old family is gone forever. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And the Holy Spirit is my Comforter. And He lives with me. As Christians, I think it's important as we look at this topic of adoption to remind ourselves to quit living like we belong to the old family. 
We have a new family when Christ comes in. Right? That's the whole idea of repentance. We're walking this way and we realize that we are walking in our in the flesh. We're walking according to our own sinfulness. And when Christ comes in, we say, yes, I need to walk this way. And Lord, I need you to work in and through my life. Oh, we need to stop living like we belong to the old family. Because we have a new family. We have new rights. We have new privileges. The moment we come to Jesus Christ, all of heaven's resources are at our disposal. We are rich. We have continuous access to God. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can lean on. We have been set free from the power of sin that Satan holds over us. Why? All because. All because we have a Father that not only cares for us, but we have a Father who concerns himself with us. He, doesn't, he just doesn't leave us, right? The Bible talks about that our Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Oh yes, God is our Father, Christ is our Savior, and the Holy Spirit our Comforter. Oh, finally I want you to know that being adopted is cool because we have a Father that celebrates us. Thank you, Randy. I have a Father that celebrates me. You want to know, you say, well, what do you mean he celebrates you? Well, I think it's pretty cool that he gives me an inheritance I don't deserve. What a celebration that's going to be one day. When my eyes are wide open, when I see Jesus, right? And he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. Listen, he gives us an inheritance we don't deserve. Without Jesus as our Redeemer, without God as our Father, we have no legal right to anything, let alone an inheritance. Romans 8 Verse 17, I alluded to it earlier, declares that we have been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All these things that we have discussed are amazing. But as we close, I'm going to close the message now. As we close this message, I want to challenge, I want to caution you, I want to challenge every one of us that have been rescued and adopted into the family of God. To remember, not only do we have an inheritance that we don't deserve, but here's where the rubber's going to meet the road. We also have a responsibility, a new responsibility. Oh, it's cool to have a new name. It's cool to have a new family, a new position, a new destiny, a, new, a, 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 a bunch of new rights and a bunch of new privileges. But don't forget that as part of God's family, we also have a new responsibility as well. We have a responsibility not only to talk about and to share the gospel, we have a responsibility to live the gospel out as well. Watch this. But that's always the motivation. It's always Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So it's not about us rescuing these orphans, but it's about Jesus rescued me. Don't you understand? You and I were children of God and celebrate that we are no longer orphans. We're loved by this Father. We're in this eternal family. And it's just, just this overflow of all this joy makes us want, you know, out of a desire. Man, I want to rescue these other kids. I want to be able to do a little bit of what God did for me. Look, it's one thing to preach the gospel, but here's an opportunity we have to actually live it out, give them a picture of it. it you know, we, we talk about how, you know, we've been adopted by God. He takes us on as his children. Um, but now we have an opportunity to give the world a picture of that. See, just like, see, now I'm showing Christ. I'm showing God the Father.
father to other people. So it's all gospel-centered. It, it's, it's now that I've been telling you about God the Father, let me represent him by what I actually do, by taking these kids into my own home, by loving these children and, and encouraging other people to do it. Now they see the gospel in action. They've heard and we've taught them, look, God rescued us. And now we're giving them a picture of it. Here's a picture of rescue. I'm doing the same thing God did for me. If you're sitting here, like me, and you're part of those who have been rescued by God through Jesus Christ, then the question ultimately becomes, how can we put our words into action? How can we care for widows? How can we care for vulnerable children? How can we, how can we make this a reality in our life? One way I would suggest is to come alongside of the adoptive families that we have. To love them and to support them and to encourage them. And I don't know what that looks like, but we might go out of our way to reach out to these families that are in our midst. Another way might be possibly for us individually to consider and pray about our role. Man, you want to know about foster care, you talk to the Sutphins. You talk to them and they'll be willing to share what God has done through their family's life over the past 30 years. You want to consider and pray about adoption, talk to some of our adoptive families. Maybe that would be your position today that you would say, you know what, maybe I ought to consider and pray about this. Volunteering your time and energy to serve vulnerable children right here in Northern Virginia through different opportunity, ministry opportunities that our church has gotten involved with over the past few years. And then finally, I would suggest that every one of us can be a part of helping and serving this, this cause of caring for vulnerable children by supporting the ministries that we support all around the world. We support planting of churches, feeding centers, orphanages, and educational opportunities for orphans all around the world. And you can be a part of that through your prayers and financial support and your missions giving. So there's a number of ways that we can be involved for those that have been rescued as Marilyn Sitton, I said in the video, I want to quote her. I was going to allude to it, Marilyn, but I thought it better to quote your words exactly. She said, the really good thing about adoption, especially for the children, is that they do have the opportunity to have a family, to belong, to be loved, and to be taken care of. And they would not have that if they were not adopted. Can I tell you that the same is true spiritually speaking? If you're sitting here in this room or you're listening on our podcast and you're still what some might refer to as a so-called spiritual orphan, why not recognize your need? Because there's one thing that I do know is that my Heavenly Father, He wants to rescue you right now through His Son Jesus Christ. You say, listen, listen, I don't know about all that. I don't know about adoption. I don't know about the redemption. I don't know about being a son. Can I tell you that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My father cares for you. My father is concerned with, with your state of affairs and my father wants to celebrate you. Now the choice is up to you. If you are a spiritual orphan today, why walk out of here in the same condition in which you walked in? Why not, a, why not allow God through the love of Jesus Christ 
to bring you into his family. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.